welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. It is episode 378 today, and my guest is a fan favorite. Kelsey Nixon is back. Kelsey has been on the show twice before. Yep, I think it's been twice, and I'll link it in the show notes. But she talked about her loss of her son, Leo. She talked about growing their family via gestational surrogacy. Since we talked last, she had another addition to her family, which is so exciting. And now they're living in California. And she recently launched something new, a podcast and a business venture called Recipe Club, which I am a member of. And you guys, if you have not checked out Recipe Club, it is unbelievable. Five recipes a month, $50 a year. These are easy, delicious, shortcutty meals that don't taste like shortcutty meals. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I made the chicken parmesan bake last night and let me just say you put in raw pasta in a 9 by 13 in the sauce with the chicken, cooks off, and it's done to perfection. I was totally hesitant if it would cook all the way through and it definitely did. And so for that alone, I'm grateful for Recipe Club. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Kelsey's coming back on to talk about all that she has going on and what she has learned about grief in the last little bit as she has gotten further out from Leo's loss and as they've continued growing their family. Kelsey is such an amazing friend now and I'm so grateful for you to get to hear from her again. Let's get to it with Kelsey Nixon. All right, I'm so excited to welcome back for the third time, Miss Kelsey Nixon. Yay! Yay. I love it. A three-peat. Here I am. And and you've also been somebody that brings the love of other people as well, because we've had Betsy on, who was your gestational carrier for Nora. And Mm -hmm. you've since had another baby. Congratulations. Who's almost two. So it's it's crazy to think at how the pace at which life goes it's just so much has happened but yes Betsy um yeah Betsy kind of kicked it all off in her offer to to help us expand our family when we found out we weren't going to be able to do it the old-fashioned way and she carried my daughter Nora and then after that experience we had one embryo left and for anyone who's gone through IVF or anything to do with infertility in that way that's an interesting spot to be in because you have options with what, how you want to proceed with those embryos, whether you donate them to science or you can actually just get rid of them or you can try. And so we were kind of in this spot of what are we going to do? And we adore Betsy, but Betsy was pretty clear. Like this is a what, this is yeah, a one, one time thing, for, yeah. which was great. We were not, we never expected any more. Um, but of course, Betsy swoops in and saves the day and one of her really good uh, friends it organically came up in conversation that we, if we found someone we were going to try with our last embryo and lo and behold, it worked the first time and Penelope was born right um, about a month into the pandemic. She's an April, 2020 baby. So, um, you know, way to complicate things even more, not only having someone else have your baby, but at the height of a pandemic is also very interesting in a different state you were living in Oregon then you moved to California and then she was in Idaho yeah 
Not yeah. complicated at all, Kelsey. Not was, not a problem. It was actually like sandwiched right in between. So oh we left. We sold our host house in Oregon in March. She was born in April. And then we lived at my parents for a while because just like everyone yeah. in the world, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And um, eventually made it to California. My husband had taken a job and then we've been we've been here ever since. Yeah. So crazy. I remember, well, I was taking my dog to the dog park in, in the early April of 2020. And I remember you being on stories being like, will I be able to go into the hospital? Because initially she was going to do it at home and then you decided hospital. But then would you be able to go into the hospital? And you'd had such beautiful birth experiences with right. birth experience with Nora. And so I can't imagine not being there or not knowing. Totally. Ugh. And the way that worked is it was actually – for all of Megan's pregnancy, it was planned to be a, a hospital birth. Okay. But when COVID happened, at the very beginning, they were really limiting hospital visitors. And so the reason we even considered home birth was because, A, that's how Megan had had her own children. Mm -hmm. And so she was really comfortable doing that. And there was a time when we thought I wasn't or my husband wasn't going to be able to be there. Yeah. And that not only was that not fair to me, that's not fair to Megan. This is right. not what she signed up for. You know what I mean? Like yes. for her, one of the greatest benefits is getting the opportunity to do the handoff, right? <laughs> I have just given you the world's greatest gift. And I don't say that lightly. I think you talk to any carrier and they talk oh. about that euphoric feeling of like, I did it. We did it. And I get to see this family complete. And anyways, and so that's why we, we flip-flopped to home birth for a minute and then Penny was two weeks late, and at that point, the risks went up enough, and um, the hospital had eased some restrictions at that point, so Megan could have one support person, but it was just me. So her yeah. husband couldn't be there, my husband couldn't be there, and in the delivery room, it was me, Megan, a doctor, and a nurse, and that was it. Wow. It was so crazy. It was wow. so crazy. In the end, it all worked out, and um, you know, I, I believe very strongly that Megan felt supported, and it was it was different because if you remember Nora's birth was like a party. Right. Like there was Everybody was there. Yeah. In the room. Like it was <laughs> it was a party and Penny's was uh, a little bit different, but still really beautiful and I still got to deliver her in that way and um yeah, we made it. We made it through. Yeah. Now that you've had two babies from your own belly, uh -huh. now that you've had two via gestational surrogates. What do you think? What do you think about all this? What do you think about growing your family? What do you think about naive Kelsey 10 years ago <laughs> who just thought, I'm going to start my family. I'm going to grow my family because yeah. there's somebody listening who is in the well, middle of it. Who's This is not easy. It is such a complex question because I, I, I have so many thoughts. So I'll do my best to work through some of these. My first thought is it was so difficult financially mentally, emotionally, physically, but I am such a better person for it. And I am so grateful for the growth and the development that came from the struggle of having to grow my family. Hmm. Um, now that's probably not what you want to hear when you're right in the middle of it. I certainly wouldn't have wanted to hear it when I was in the middle of it, but perspective is such a beautiful thing. And I, I cannot tell you how often you know, on a weekly basis that the lessons that I learned from that, whether it be perseverance or, you know, the power of stamina or prayer or whatever it may be, 
that I reflect back on that, that chapter of my life. Mm. So it was so hard. It taught me the importance of simply to keep going. And though that's something that I use in business now, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm just so grateful for those lessons. And, um, I'm trying to remember if I discussed it on one of our former podcasts, but when I found out right after Leo had passed and I found out that I wasn't going to be able to carry more children, one of the first things that popped into my mind was this image of my Thanksgiving table and thinking there are not enough people at the table. This table feels incomplete. And it was this visual that I just thought about. And now I very much feel like that table <laughs> is complete. There's plenty of people there. I, I couldn't have imagined ever feeling overwhelmed by too many children. Yeah. But three kids is a lot. Let three me tell is you, so many. I, it's more whole, than the two parents. That's enough. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so it's just interesting. Like I, I just, there's this feeling of abundance and gratitude, but also I'm a normal mom and I feel the stress and strain of trying to, to manage parenthood and, um, you know, address all of the needs of my kids. But it's been a really beautiful journey, really hard at times and really, really rewarding as well. Yeah. You talked about losing Leo in episode 43 so, so long ago now, but every time you bring him up on the anniversary mm-hmm. of his birth, of losing him unexpectedly, like you thought you, you you thought things were going in a great direction, right? And it's like every parent's worst nightmare. Tell me tell me how you think about Leo these days. And yeah. How, and how they and how his siblings think about yeah, Leo. Yeah, so I I would say at about the 5 year mark is when I, the sadness just kind of lifted a little bit and I genuinely just feel love for him on his, you know, whether it's his birthday or his death day, whatever, whatever it may be. And I'm so grateful that my grief has progressed so much and I could have never projected or anticipated like how that would play out for me. But the past two birthdays he's had, I have felt genuinely so happy Mm. and whether this is just as it should be, or it's a story I'm telling myself, I don't think it really matters. But um, when I think about Leo now, I I got really hung up on why did he live for 30 days and die? What was the purpose of his life? And I really believe that the purpose of his short life was to be this bridge to get his sisters here. Mm-hmm. Because if he had survived and lived, he almost certainly would have had... Um, disabilities and uh challenging health circumstances throughout his life and I don't think we would have pursued having more children Mm -hmm. we would have had Oliver and Leo and we would have had a beautiful family Mm -hmm. but the fact that he passed lit this fire within me as his mother about that table it was incomplete And we never would have pursued growing our family through gestational surrogacy if he had lived. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that him coming and just how special he was. And, you know, Betsy met him when he was alive. My husband's mom had passed away a few years ago. And so when when, um, Leo was born, she kind of stepped in to play the role of maybe how Robbie's mom would have supported. And she met him. And I I don't know that she would have offered to carry for us if she had not met Leo. So Mm. I... I just am so spoiled in that I have this consistent reminder of him in my life in my girls. And when I have these magical moments with my little girls, I think about him. I think about him so much. 
So it's a really happy thing for me now. And I will always carry a certain amount of grief with me, but I also really believe that we will be reunited with Leo in in the afterlife. And I, I believe that he will always be part of our family in that way. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so grateful as awful as it was. I'm so grateful it happened because it, it landed these little girls in our lives and not only the girls, but the experiences we had with Betsy and Megan that were so transformative to me as, as a human being were so amazing. So I, I love him maybe differently than I love my, I maybe even love him deeper in some ways than my Mm. other kids because he's just been such an integral part of us growing our family. Mm. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that is so beautiful. Um, a friend of mine who's been on the podcast several times lost a daughter, um, to cancer at age four, just a few months ago. And, you know, as she was going through just the hardest of circumstances and seeing her daughter battle the way she did, she seemed so young. And now when she posts pictures of Indy, I look at the pictures and I think she seems so old. She seems so wise. She seems so, I don't know what it is, but I view the I view her differently. It's like mm-hmm. her life was complete. And I mean, it's easy for me to say, you know, like the grief. Right. And it's still so new for them. And it's just terrible that it couldn't have gone differently. But isn't that incredible that Leo's 30 days, Indy's four years, any right. of our lives, however long they are, are what they need to be. And a single, yeah. we can make an impact in a single day, in a single second on right. somebody else. Totally. And I, I will stand by the fact that I still, I'm not a fan of the phrase that things happen for reasons. Um, especially when I was in the middle of my grief, that was just the last thing that I wanted to hear. But I, I do believe that things happen just as they are supposed to happen. And I, it was impossible for me to be in that moment of grief and try and understand that this would somehow work out. But in case someone needs to hear it, here I am seven years later and I am looking back and it's like this light bulb of like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. And I am filled with love and happiness and joy. And by the way, that's how I think Leo would want me to feel. And like I said, I'm not abandoning that grief. I think there's an element of honoring that grief always, but I, I'm just in such a good place. and I'm so grateful. And I actually would like to think that Leo has had something to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of like the thought of him kind of always pulling for us on the other side. And um, we yeah. talk about him regularly. It's not a taboo topic at all in our house. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, I have a funny story. It was just Leo's birthday. And Nora, who's now five, I had said to the kids, okay, we're going to have a little birthday celebration for Leo tonight. There's going to be a cake and we're going to sing happy birthday and it's going to be great. So we did that. And then afterwards, Nora said, well, where's the presents? And I was like, <laughs> Nora. There's no present. She's like, why? And I'm like, because he's not with us. And she goes, no, I was going to have his presents. <laughs> I just, she was so mad that there wasn't presents. It was just a funny, oh, um, it's a kids. funny moment. So. Kids will be kids, right? Yeah. Yes. And as much as we try and tiptoe and incubate our kids, yeah. you know, to, to hard things, this is just their reality. And, yes. and it can be as normal as you make it out to be. And look at right. that. Look at how normal that is. That is so beautiful. Well, happy birthday to Leo. That is wonderful. Yes. Ah, another year. Well, yeah. you have had a lot going on in the last year professionally as well. And right. I mean, people know you from Food Network from way back when now. I mean, that's forever right. ago now. And I then know. cookbooks and all these things you had going on. And Kelsey, this might be the most exciting thing I think that you've done in a very long time. Your recipe club is genius. Oh, I'm so happy to 
hear that. And, you know, it's, um, I was, it was an interesting way in which my career kind of unfolded. I had massive success early on, really early, like 25, I was filming my own cooking show for Food Network and Cooking Channel. And then that went on, we had multiple seasons and it was like all the success so quickly. And then, um, I started to build my family and realized, oh, this is going to be complicated. And it's almost like I had to take that same zest and vigor for building my career and, you know, divert it to building my family. And there was a period of like a good five years where I just could not maintain the pace of um, giving so much to my career. And I really had to put everything into figuring out how I was going to get my family here. And then once Penny was here and we very much felt like, the gang's all here and tables um, full. Yeah. There were no embryos <laughs> left. Like every everyone was here. It was really exciting for me to think about well, what what am I gonna do now? because um, I've always been kind of passion driven. I've always loved the idea of of working and having a career alongside mothering. And um, so I I have felt so passionate about creating something that helps people get to that table. And the dinner table, right? The weeknight table. And it's, look, even for someone who might be considered like a family dinner expert, having regular family dinners is so hard. It's hard for me. Like I, there are nights where it's like, this is so hard. But I am telling you that I think there is so much power in the ritual of, of sitting down and having dinner with the people that you love in your household. And not only that, but making a ritual of it. And there is, there's this great Michael Pollan quote from his book Cooked that came out probably 10 years ago about the dinner table being the nursery for democracy Hmm. and about how it's the dinner table where our kids learn the art of conversation. And it's where they learn how we agree and disagree with one another without insulting the other Hmm. person. It's where we talk about hard things. It's where we talk about silly things. And I just feel really passionately about providing tools and systems for people to get to that table a little bit more often. And so, um, yeah, since Pony was born, it's like, how can I do this? How can I make this easier for people? And you know, Jessica, we're in a similar stage of life. What's great is I feel those pain points. I am right in it. It's not like I raised my kids and I'm remembering when. I am in the throes of these challenges. So I created Recipe Club to to kind of help people to get that table a little bit more often. Yeah. And they're attainable meals for the everyday cook. But they're delicious. But they're delicious. Everyone wants to eat them. (laughs) Yes, that's really important to me is being realistic and not being afraid of using, um, you know, supermarket shortcuts, whether it's a jar of marinara sauce or pesto or um, pre-made this or rotisserie chicken. I, I, I will say this over and over again. I don't really care what you eat at the table. I think what's most important is getting to the table. Like last night, my family had grilled cheese sandwiches. And I'm sure that there are people out there who'd be like, Oh, I never would assume that you would make a grilled cheese. That's right. Trust me. Yeah. There's not gourmet meals five nights a week. It is realistic food. And, um, yeah, the goal in recipe club was five new recipes every month that are family friendly, require very limited amount of dishes because that's a big pain point for me. I do not want to give you a recipe that has 37 ingredients and dirties every dish in your kitchen. So really simple. And then each recipe, I break down a parent plate and a picky eater plate because I I have some picky eaters. So how can we deconstruct these meals 
for our kids because there's nothing worse than making a new recipe and having everybody say, I don't want to eat that. Right. <laughs> so, right. Well, and I so just I talked really to some. try and give some solutions there. Yeah. And, and going off what you just said, I just talked to somebody yesterday who has a food blog and, um, I'm like, well, how do you deal with the picky eater situation? And she's like, I keep everything separate. So like if I, you know, we're doing tacos, it's a taco bar. So every element is their choice to put on. So at the very, you know, foundation, they could do meat and shell and that's it. And that's fine because they're eating what we're eating. It's when you start making exceptions. It's when you start making second dinners that it starts to feel like my kids are entitled little stinkers. And what did I create here? And it's too much work and it's too many more dishes and on and on and on. And so I thought just the elements of having it be separate. And so I'm sure what you're talking about with adult adult plate, kid plate, is not parent dinner and then chicken fingers. No, no, no. Right? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's the same components. In fact, because my nine-year-old's great right now. He's pretty much eating everything my husband and I are eating. But my five-year-old is particularly challenging. And my two-year-old, Penny, is just getting to the point where – she was eating everything, and now she's got opinions, which oh, is so annoying. Yeah, but here we go. Yeah. And the experience I've had is from the ages of, like, two to six, I think that's when pickiness tends to thrive the most. Mm-hmm. But the very first thing I do every time I make dinner is I pull out two kid plates. And the reason I say kid plates is because Nora's very particular about food not touching. So she okay. wants things to be sectioned off. But I put them right in front of my cutting board as And as I'm making the dinner, let's say it's stir fry, and I know she's not going to eat the bell peppers that are uh, cooked, I cut the bell peppers that I'm going to put in the skillet, and then I put her raw bell peppers on the plate. So then by the time dinner's done, I have just slowly added to their plates so that I'm not rushing at the last minute when I put dinner on the table and she says, I'm not going to eat this. I've already got her plate composed. So it's gotten into the habit of just pulling those plates out at the very beginning, and it's been really helpful. I would have never thought of having the plates already out because sometimes I like set things aside, but then sometimes I'm putting it in a bowl that then is just one more bowl to get dirty. Why, why do that? You're genius. It's it's like the plates are like a visual cue of like, okay, what can I, do you know what I mean? Like it's silly. And then even if there's like, let's say with stir fry, I'm going to put rice on her plate. I'm going to do bell peppers. And then I can't really, you know, there's nothing really else that makes sense. It's a, an immediate cue to be like, oh, what fruit can I throw in there? Oh, I'll throw right. some apples or some pineapple. Right. And um, it's just a silly little tip that my sister's doing it now. She's got kids the same age. And it's just, it's like making one less decision once you've already made so many decisions to get dinner on the table. Yeah. And another thing I love your approach with is like, okay, so I have an an empty portion on that plate. What can I fill it with? And then looking, what do I already have? Because so many times we think, oh, my kids want strawberries. I need to go to the store and get more strawberries. But it's like, you already have a whole thing of apples. You have bananas that you only have one more day left before they start to go bad. But then you have banana bread. So then you're fine. But you know, like how can you use up those ingredients? So there's not the food waste and you're just, shopping from your own pantry. And I love, love, love the idea and the visual. And I've heard you say it many times of you feel most accomplished when your fridge is getting empty. Yes. An empty fridge is a happy fridge, right? Tell me about that. (laughs) I I do my meal planning on Thursday nights. Today happens to be a Friday when we're chatting. Uh And so I sat down yesterday and what I do is on Thursdays, my husband always puts the kids to bed. And so after dinner, I know it's my time and I always listen to a favorite podcast. And Uh so I look forward to putting the podcast on 
And I open my fridge and I open my pantry and I see what is left here that needs to be used up. And that becomes my immediate cues for what I'm going to cook next week. And okay. if that fridge is mostly empty, we've done a great job. Yes. But you, know, you know what I mean? Like, because we don't want, no one wants to waste food, especially right now when the cost of groceries is so astronomical. Like it's, the idea is to be able to treat your kitchen almost like a grocery store, right? Like yes. going through and being like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, like, like last night I noticed we, we have some pickled onions and I'm like, okay, what can I do with pickled onions? I said, oh, tacos. We had tacos. Oh, I'll do those skillet nachos. It's just interesting how one ingredient can help cue for you you know, what something you can make. And then I find that I'm shopping for much less. Yes. Um, as opposed to taking a complete recipe to the store and buying every single little thing. And then before you know it, you've got three jars of cumin and you don't need three jars of cumin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some systems there that really help. And that's what I try and provide, whether it's as simple as a place like my Instagram page or joining recipe club. Um, or I, I have this fun kitchen organization experience that I'm going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. Um, I really try and provide that for people. Yeah, that is so, so smart. And I think if you could even just start with, you know, do I have a majority of ingredients for some recipe or, mm -hmm. okay, I have some chicken used up. That's going to be the star. And then I just have to go to the grocery store and add, you know, two or three things. But if I kind of, I, I divide a paper on, you know, in half and I write down, kind of the star ingredients that I have or that I want to use up on the left-hand yep. side. And then, okay, once I know what I'm going to do, then I write down what I'm going to make and then any additional ingredients I need. But I'm, I'm shopping my pantry, I'm shopping my freezer, my fridge, and it feels yep. so good. And your fridge gets so gross. And if it's always chocked full of stuff and never being emptied out, it's right. so much harder to clean because then you have to pull everything out and then put it back in. That seems so annoying, right? Exactly. Save yourself time. why it it's so much easier if you just keep on top of it. And yeah. the fact there's a, there's a book that many people have heard of called Atomic Habits, which is mm -hmm. about creating really simple systems and habits in your life. And one of the key concepts um, James Clear talks about in that book is habit stacking. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. And really stacking one habit with another and then um, temptation bundling. And temptation bundling means taking something that you like doing and pairing it with something that you don't like doing. Yes. And that's where the podcast comes in because I know I'm looking forward to listening to that podcast and I don't mind cleaning out the fridge as much if I know that I'm going to be listening to my podcast. What right. I mind is when it's Saturday morning and we've got a soccer game and baseball and dance, but I, we have no food and we've got to buy food. So that's why having a very specific time each week for me, which happens to be a Thursday night, it's like sacred in a sense. Like our week goes so much better if I honor that time to just simply plan, plan our meals for the week. And yeah. guess what? If things happen and like we don't end up having the skillet nachos on Tuesday, no big deal. No. We can have them on Thursday or Saturday. It's not like we're not going to eventually use them. And I can throw them on the meal plan for the following week. So yeah. like, I never regret making all of those decisions on one day as opposed to having to ask myself every single day, what are we making? What are we making? What are we making? Yeah. I also, in addition to the recipes that I really like doing, that I often need to like have fresh produce for, for things, I also have a short list of things that I know are always options so like you said yeah. grilled cheese 
It's like yeah. most of the time, if you have your bread and you have your cheese, like it is an option, right? And and you can make it quite delicious. You have lots of recipes for grilled cheese with, with apple and bacon. And you can make it really great. And one time, I, I think your friend's Andrea Faulkner too, right? Yes. Yeah. I so am. she yep. served it with honey one time. And I'm like, yep. honey? Oh, honey. <laughs> yes. And I would have just never thought of that. So don't be embarrassed by what you feed your family. Like you said, it's the ritual. It's the 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 great things that come out of gathering together and having that time where it's like okay everyone knows and hopefully when my kids get bigger hopefully they'll bring their friends hopefully they'll still want to gather and it's fine if we have some extra people at that table and we can cram in but if i have a short list of things that i know can just be a go-to when i'm short on time short on ingredients i didn't have time to go to the grocery store someone's sick you know fill in the blank there's a whole host of reasons where getting takeout could seem easier but is it really? Is it really? Right. And the cost, you know, I mean, we both live in California and that frankly, that matters, frankly. It really does. In fact, um, last week, one, I was just in this position, right? It had been a late baseball night mm-hmm. where that's a whole other thing where having dinner on activities nights is yes. really challenging. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll just go pick something up. And then I thought, no. I'm going to take every box of cold cereal we have and I'm going to put it in the center of the table and give everyone a bowl. And we had such a fun family dinner, like picking the cereal. And to me, that was so much more important about having this fun, like mom's doing cereal for dinner. What? This is so fun. And so that's an example of like, because if we go get takeout, chances are someone's going to start eating the chicken nuggets in the car. Someone's eating the fries. And by the time we get inside, we've lost that whole, we're yeah. less likely to sit down and actually have conversate with one another. And to me, that's the most important part. So, and yes, this list is so important. In my phone, it's literally, I literally have it under, it's called the greatest hits list. <laughs> and anytime I make a recipe that people love, I add it to the greatest hits list. And then I have a pantry staples list. And that is recipes that um i can really easily cook for my pantry and do not overthink this like one of mine is um any sort of pasta i love jarred rayo's marinara sauce if you follow me in any capacity you know that rayo's give me a call we've never worked (laughs) together but you are king to me when it comes to shortcut (laughs) ingredients in the uh in the kitchen yeah but i'll take some jarred rayo's sauce i'll take like a tablespoon of pesto and add that in there. And if I have any cream, I'll add like a splash of heavy cream mm-hmm. and toss that with some pasta. And then any vegetables I've got on hand, I can saute those really quickly, fold those into the sauce, and we have dinner. Yeah. And that is a very respectable dinner. Yeah. Anyways, so there's just things like that that live on my my pantry recipes. There's I have cacio pep, pepe on there, which is basically just pasta with lemon and pepper and butter. And anyways, it really helps because I think as moms especially one of the hardest things is that we have to make so many decisions every day and someone's always asking something from us. And so if you've already made a decision by putting something on a list or you have at least created a system for a queue so that when you don't know what to make, you can at least go somewhere rather than digging in the depths of your brain or going to the hole that is Instagram and starting a scroll, it really can be very helpful. Yeah. And don't feel guilty for whatever is on that list. Like you're saying, I think we you know, we compare ourselves to what so-and-so is making. And some people really enjoy making more complicated stuff. Maybe they have more time in the evenings. Maybe they've yeah. grown up cooking these things. Like everyone just has different experiences. But I think at least listeners of this podcast who are really committed to intentional parenting, 
you know, loving their kids well, showing up for their kids. It's more important that this ritual of communication and and just time, showing right. them time. And like you said, oh, mom's bringing out the cereal. Whoa, like this is kind of fun. And you might think, oh, I'm terrible because it's just cold cereal. So, I, no. so somebody asked me what I was having for dinner the other night, and I said cereal, and they're like, what kind? And I'm like, what do you mean, like what what boxes, like what flavors? And he's like, he's like, oh, cold cereal. It was a dad. It was a dad. And he's like, cold cereal. And I'm like. Yeah, yeah. My he, kids are gonna be thrilled. Yeah, and he was like blown away. Away, If you only take away one thing from listening to this today, yeah. please know that it does not matter what food you put on the table. I mean, yeah. it matters to a certain extent. Yeah. But especially in those moments, and even those years of parenting where you are stretched so thin, focus on getting your people to the table. That mm. is what is most important. Whether it is a quesadilla a cold cereal night, a grilled cheese night, a canned soup night, a ramen noodle night, mac and cheese, whatever it is, if you get those people to the table, you pat yourself on the back and you say, I did it. I did something really, really great for my family. There's plenty of time to make, you know, lovely, well-balanced meals. But I would take getting your family to the table over a well-balanced meal any day. I think it's more important. Absolutely. And if you're able to prioritize doing both of those, checking both those boxes once a week. You know, if Sunday nights you're home and you can plan ahead for that, do that and have that be part of the ritual that they can expect a more, you know, elaborate dinner or they have more say over the dinner or what it is. And also including your kids in the picking and what goes on that, that master list so you know, hey, you know, you, you you contributed to this. You said you wanted this this week, so right. here you go. Or having them help you in the kitchen. All of these things are just great ways to, to make it more doable. And for yeah. the nutrition factor, yeah, like grilled cheese, yeah, not the most balanced meal in the world, but it's better than buying it out somewhere where they're going to slather it in way more butter and, you know, all this stuff. Anything you can make at home, nine times out of ten, is going to be healthier than something you, you pick up on the road. Totally. And I do try, even like – when we end up having box mac and cheese, if I've got some frozen petite peas in the freezer, Mm -hmm. I will stir in some petite peas and I'll grab the baby carrots and I'll grab some strawberries. So I do try and at least provide some sort of balance, but sometimes that's not totally possible. One of, I got to tell you, one of the best meals, and this has been my go-to lately that's been such a hit, is just breakfast for dinner. I seem to always have things on hand for breakfast So whether I end up doing um, waffles or pancakes or even oatmeal, right, Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. or smoothie bowls or something like that, um, and then bacon and orange juice and eggs, like you can get a balanced meal out of breakfast really quickly, and you almost always have everything on hand to make it. So that's another one that's on that that pantry list of like, oh, I guess we could do breakfast for dinner. And my kids love breakfast. They think that's so awesome when we're having breakfast for dinner. That's right. My son Austin's birthday is today. You know what he requested for dinner? Breakfast, breakfast? for dinner. We're having, we're having waffles and sausage and eggs. And, and he had pancakes and bacon this morning. So we're just hitting all of the breakfast oh, items throughout so the day. That's cute. I love it. <laughs> but, like, that's what he wants. So talk to your kids. Ask them what they want. Because chances are they want things that are more simple than what you're building up in your mind needs to happen for you to feel, like, an amazing mom you know they don't hold you to that standard I love it so much so tell people where they can find recipe club what does that all entail like you said it's the five recipes a month but how are you coming up with these recipes and what are you hearing about the feedback because what you've been sharing has just made me so excited for you and for all the families who are a part of it so 
it really stemmed from this idea that I wanted to write another cookbook, but the the process for writing a book is very long typically. Like if you're working with a big publisher like Random House, who I worked with in the past, it can take two years from start to finish. Mm. And as I was working on the proposal for that book, I was feeling like this this there seems like a disconnect here. I'm essentially guessing what people want from me. What if I just ask people what they want from me? And so I decided to take the approach of almost like a digital living, breathing cookbook where each month I present 15 options. And if you're a member of recipe club, you get to vote on which recipes sound good or just okay, or you would never make those. And then I get instant feedback from hundreds of people that are saying, Ooh, lettuce wraps. That sounds great. Ooh, chili, not so much. And then Mm -hmm. I can take that feedback and develop those recipes. And so it's five recipes, which to me, I wanted to provide enough that you felt like you were getting a good amount of content, but not overwhelm you. I don't expect, I don't expect anybody to cook five, six, seven home cooked meals a week. I really, I don't think that's entirely realistic when you have little kids. Mm -hmm. So even if you pick two or three of those five recipes every month, I think that's great. And so I wanted to give you just enough. There's a video for every recipe, so I walk you through how I make it. There's tons of swaps and suggestions. So if you have kids or people in your household who are vegetarians, I do my best with gluten-free and and, um, dairy and stuff like that. But I really try to load you up with those swap and suggestions so that you feel like the recipes are going to work for your family. And it's so fun. I love to see the voting come in and I'm shocked. Lots of times it's not what I would have picked. Interesting. So each month it's five new recipes. At the end of the month or at the end of the year, we would have essentially what would have gone into a cookbook all picked by the members of Recipe Club. So it's a dollar recipe and um, we have so much fun. So you yeah. can check it out. Whether you go to my Instagram page or my website, KeltyNixon.com, um, you'll be, find some easy ways to be directed to Recipe Club. And we would love to have you. Yeah. And like you're saying, like some of the results surprise you. And that just shows you like you're exactly doing your, this job the way you're supposed to be doing it right now. Because you don't have time to waste, Kelsey. You don't have time to make a cookbook <laughs> no. where people are like, I like these three or four recipes. Like th- these work for me. But when you're getting that feedback and you're able to tailor it, you know this is time well spent for you and for them. Like there's no better right. feeling than that. Totally, Yay. totally. And and you asked about some of the reviews. Like I got a great one from someone the other day saying, Recipe Club is so, it's so much fun. I'd never cooked pork tenderloin before. I made your teriyaki pork tenderloin and now my family loves it. I'm cooking pork tenderloin all the time. So the idea is yeah. to give you just enough motivation to get in the kitchen and maybe try something that doesn't feel totally crazy. I'm not sending you to a specialty grocery store. You're going to be able to buy everything you need at yeah. a regular grocery store. But it, it takes those family-friendly recipes and, and makes them exciting again. And if you've got those picky eaters, I show you how to break it down. So I am literally trying to solve the problem that I myself deal with, which, which is getting my family to the table. Right. So you're doing it. Um, and, and we're having a great time. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Kelsey, you are just such a light and you put out so much positivity. You put out so much positivity online. I love it when you share your family. I love it when you share your recipes. You just are just one of those people that is just so incredible. And I love that you're incorporating your passions in seasons of motherhood. And just, it's so exciting to see you thriving in life. I'm so proud of you. Well, you're so nice, Jessica. And I want you guys to know that I'm also a hot mess. (laughs) So I'm hanging on for dear life, just like all of you. Um, But, you know, this is my husband likes to remind me often. These are the wonder years, right? We're going to look back back on these days. And I'm never going to forget how difficult they were. Don't. 
be like no mistake there. Um, but we really are making such happy memories right now and we are trying to embrace the chaos and, and just do our best with what we've got. So, um, but yeah, dinner is one of those things. The problem's never going away. We're always going to have to make dinner and feed our families. And so I would love to help you do that and recipe club. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Kelsey, I've asked you this two or three other times now that you've been out. Well, two other times. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you the same question and see if your answer has changed now because 2017 was the last time you answered this. You've added another one. Mom of growing family, what would you tell Kelsey, your pre-motherhood self? Uh, I would tell her to keep going, which I think this might be some of the same things I – maybe what I said in 2017 – But, um, life is so full and so wonderful and so hard. And whether you are in a phase of life, like I was a couple of years ago, when it feels like the really important things are hard, or you're in a phase of life like I am now, where maybe the frivolous things seems hard, like pulling my five-year-old away from the snack shack at the baseball game. That's still hard, hard. right? That is still hard. And there are days when I feel like I'm doing it all wrong and um, I want to throw my hands in the air. But I think like my mantra for life in general, and it's what I would tell Kelsey five, ten years ago, is to keep going. Forward thinking. Just keep going. You are doing great. It's going to be okay. Um, Yeah, that perseverance and stamina, most things can be accomplished if you can rely on those things. So keep going. Love that. Love that. I like to think that Leo taught you how to do that a little bit yes, better. Exactly. Yeah, in so good. such a beautiful way. Yeah. Thanks, Kelsey. I hope we All get right. to meet in person one of these days. You're so close. We're going to have to make it happen. We're going to have to make that happen. Yes, for sure. Okay, all the best, and I hope everyone checks out Recipe Club. Oh, and your podcast. We'll link to everything in the show notes. Okay. <sighs> Too many things. Kitchen, many kitchen Prescription? Is that the name of it? P- kitchen Prescription? Kitchen Prescription. Yeah, that's the podcast. And it's so good. essentially the podcast you listen to and you don't know what to make for dinner. Love All it. doing the same thing, getting you to that table. Yes, so good. All right, Kels, thanks. All right, thanks, Jessica. Bye-bye. I just love talking to Kelsey. And every single time I just think... I wish she lived next door to me, not only for her cooking skills, but just for her joy and exuberance for life. I just could not align with her anymore, and I'm so grateful for her and so proud of how far she's come and these new incredibly effective and practical tools she's developing for families. And I hope you'll check out Recipe Club. Like I said, I am a member of the Chicken Parmesan Bake you get five new recipes every month. And so I believe the chicken Parmesan bake is an April recipe. So one of those, but you also can go back to past months, which is really fun. Um, Another one that I just tried was the um, Greek sheet pan chicken. Um, And you can cook the chicken and the peppers on the same sheet pan. And she just makes everything so approachable. And I love her philosophy of shopping your kitchen and shopping your pantry and shopping your fridge before shopping in the grocery store. Such great tips. Check out her podcast as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3. And I'm so grateful that you're here. We'll see you next week, everybody, for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.